Are you ready to explore life's possibilities? Go from ordinary to extraordinary. Then it's time to live limitless. To live limitless. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 21 of the Live Limitless podcast. Joining us on the show today is Charlie King of HeroicFatherhood.com. Charlie has just two goals, supporting fathers to become the man they've always wanted to be and to create a generation of kids that are raised by fathers that they deserve. Now, Charlie is the founder of Heroic Fatherhood, a platform where he supports entrepreneur fathers master fatherhood. Through individual coaching and workshops, he helps to create structures, insights, and to provide support to handle all the shifts that fatherhood brings. Now, I actually met Charlie through the World Domination Summit, and because I'm someone who is uh, thinking of starting a family soon, I wanted to reach out and ask him questions. I was also attracted to the fact that he said he wants to raise a, a generation of limitless kids, so it fits in perfect with the Live Limitless philosophy. Um, but also, as someone who isn't living a conventional life, I have so many concerns about becoming a father. Uh, things such as what sort of education I should give to my kids, you know, whether they should be homeschooled or not, is putting them into a preschool at a young age, um, is it good for their health or our family relationship? Um, yeah, I have so many questions. Uh, and if you're a father or thinking of becoming one, this is definitely a great podcast uh, to listen to. So in this podcast, we actually talk about what fatherhood is all about, the complications of raising children in today's world, raising children in uh, the digital age, homeschooling and other types of education, what heroic fatherhood is all about, the problem with trying to do everything yourself, the importance of establishing a community, and, uh, and much, much more. So I'm definitely excited to have Charlie on the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to see um, the show notes or have any questions for Charlie or myself, or if you want to have access to any of the links that are mentioned in the episode, head on over to livelimitless.net. And you can either go to the blog or to the podcast page, and you'll see the link to the show, and then you'll see all that, all that information. And again, if you like the show, please leave me a review in iTunes. It would mean the world to me. And other than that, let's uh, let's meet Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Welcome to the the Live Limitless podcast. Hey, good morning, Matthew. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Now, are you actually are, are you in Portland? I'm not oh, actually. Okay. I, I'm uh, I'm in beautiful Puget Sound. I'm in the oh, middle wow. of beautiful Puget Sound. I live on an island named Bainbridge Island, which um, if you look off our island and look eastward across the, the Salish Sea, which is the other name for Puget Sound, you'll see Seattle. So I'm on an island in Puget Sound. Oh, wow. That sounds, yeah. I was actually just in Seattle just last week. So it's, uh, yeah, I love the, I've been kind of toying with whether I want to move from where I am right now and be more t- on the water. So it's, mm. a, it's a beautiful place. For me as a Canadian, I guess my choice would be uh, Vancouver, which is highly overpriced at this point, but uh, Vancouver Island's pretty close to you, I think. It sure is, and that's a beautiful spot as well, yeah. Sure. Um, it's got it's, the city of the, 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 the province, the province seat is in, uh, is in Victoria uh, on Vancouver Island, even though Vancouver, the city, is uh, on the mainland. Right, it's yeah. very funny. <laughs> and so I found you 
of course, in the World Domination Summit, where a lot of awesome people hang out. And, and uh, absolutely, you said you were. Uh, it, was, it was very different. I said I wanted to interview a bunch of people doing cool things, and you mentioned that you're starting a movement or a website <laughs> called Heroic Fatherhood. So I thought that that was really interesting, especially for someone who's um, about to maybe start a family shortly. And uh, I just wanted to see if you could uh, explain what that's all about. <laughs> I'd be ha- I'd be happy to, and um, you know, and you know, like I guess what I noticed was when we all grow up, we all grow up under um, under our own roofs, right? Where we have moms and dads that uh, are are bringing the best parenting skills they know how to do, and they're doing the best with what they have, right? Even the most difficult situations that people grow up in, and there's some difficult ones for sure. But everybody grows up in a household with parents who, for the most part, are doing the best with what they have. Mm -hmm. And what they have will depend a lot on um, not only, you know, the time and energy they have and the resources they might have, but a lot of it will have to do also with the way that they were brought up. And what I notice is that, among other things, there are... um, you know, that, that everybody grew up, well, I like to laugh and I like to say, everybody grew up in a dysfunctional household. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that didn't grow up and that there was some part of their household where they're like, yeah, then there was that thing, <laughs> <laughs> right? There was that thing that Aunt Alice used to do on Saturday night. And that's something I don't want to take into my future. <laughs> um, uh, but I, you know, but what I also notice is that generation after generation, how often have we seen, and this has certainly been my experience, that we raise children the way we were raised, and we're raised by our parents who did the same thing, and they were raised by their parents who did the same thing, even when we knew better, even when we knew, you know what, that didn't go over well. I'm frequently working with people who reflect that they're doing the same thing that their parents did. And it's not out of misdeed or, in, uh, or bad intention. It's just because they don't have the resources, the resources to choose differently. Right. And of all the places that I th- think that there's this really interesting lack of resources, there's an incredible lack of resources for fathers, for new dads. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how often, you know, like, the, the the prototypical uh, the prototypical uh, new dad, um, if it was the fifties, he'd you know be handed a cocktail and a cigar and say congratulations, you're a father. <laughs> um, these days, he might be you know handed a, a book and a latte and said congratulations, you're a father. <laughs> right. But my experience is is that for the most part, dads have very few resources, and there are a lot of expectations put on them about that they're just going to figure it out. Like that's what dads have always done. They just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it plays beautifully into this archetype that we have about men, that they just figure it out on their own. Which just, well, that's what we do. We figure it out on our own. We, we you, know, um, you know, that's how the pioneers did it. <laughs> that's how my, my fathers did it and them before they and they before them and, and so forth. Right. It's almost like we're holding a, a tradition that doesn't necessarily have any merit. Right. Exactly. Like it's somehow the definition of manhood. Right. Right. Like to do it all by yourself is somehow the definition of manhood. What I notice is that it leaves many men feeling isolated, alone, powerless, and uninspired. 
and uninspired about being a father, right? Like, you know, very often they find themselves out being the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Um, this is double down for those who are, are if, they're, if their relationship didn't work out and they find themselves as divorced fathers, very often they, they're absolutely the only breadwinner. Um, but they find themselves the breadwinner, um, the chore doer, the doer of things, um, and, and, that, and, and left out of the child-raising spectrum. And while there is a myriad of resources available for moms, um, this is the, you know, one of the very few places in our society, for sure, in the U.S., where there are very few organizations or groups or collectives that are specifically around. This is a place where there's a real shortage of that to support men, where there is an abundance of it to support women. Hmm. You know, very often when, when, when uh, a woman has a child, family will gather and will help support by taking care of the child while the mom is learning to breastfeed and to manage, you know, postpartum and totally appropriate, nothing missing that. Absolutely. Bring in all the forces, right? Right. But then there are going to be groups about mommy and me groups. And then there are going to be groups about, you know, your child goes to preschool and kindergarten and they're going to be, you know, there are resources out there about dealing with separation anxiety and, uh, and all kinds of other things. And a lot of these groups are designed specifically to support women. And it's not an accident. It's not an accident, mostly because they're the moms, but also because men have been taught that they shouldn't need that kind of thing. So they don't ask for it. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. And especially I find, um, I don't know, at least not necessarily just with thought with, with fatherhood, but in general, there's so much information now and yes. I feel like the world is kind of going in a different way and it feels like there, maybe there's a lot of new pressures now in how to raise your kid or if you should homeschool them or send them to school or if, uh, you know, I just, I just feel like there's so, so many methods now and especially maybe it's just because we're, you know, members of the world domination summit we see many interesting ways people live as well. And now even me, like as I even consider fatherhood, it seems even more scary because I'm not sure if, if I should put them in the, well, now I'm just, just getting into education, but more like in the, the traditional way. Right. Right. Like, cause the, and, and previously that was the way when I was growing up, that was the way I think I've got a few years on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Like, but that was the way the kids went into, there was private schools, which were for those who could afford it. And then there were public schools. There were no charter schools. There was no alternative education. There was no homeschooling. It wasn't like it, that was back in the period when it wasn't done. <laughs> you, right. One does not do that. <laughs> but, you know, and, and there's, you know, it's so funny. I love that you shared what I heard you say was, that there's so much information out there. There's so many different ways that you can raise your children these days. And we're so aware of so many of them, which is the right way to go. And it would be really easy to jump into onto people's bandwagons, right? Is it Montessori? Is it Waldorf? Is it traditional? Is it charter? Is it home? Is it, you know, what, what's that thing that works for us? And it's easy to grab, jump onto somebody's bandwagon. But distinguishing your own way, both for yourself and your family, is the that's the where it gets really juicy, where you can make informed choices and distinguish what's most important for you 
so that you can make an empowered choice. Because we have this tendency, I notice, is like in, in an overwhelm of information to make no decision. Mm -hmm. Or we make a decision about what most people we spend time with are doing. Right. And sometimes that's the right decision to make for us. And it does fit us because those are our kinds of people. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, and so a lot of where heroic fatherhood got it, its inspiration is around supporting fathers to distinguish their own hero's journey, right? Like distinguishing who they are in the world and the way they see the world. Because I think we, like when we talk about, it, I think probably the easiest way to describe it is values. Uh, I'm curious, Matt, do you, do you consider yourself a person who lives by your values? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. But for the longest time, if you'd asked me, oh, okay, cool. What are those values? I, I'm pretty good on my feet. I, I certainly could have uh, made something up, but that's kind of what it would have been, hmm. right? Like I have an idea. I have a general idea. And when people are asked about values, they talk, well, I've got family values. I've got a work ethic. Um, if there's somebody who's, uh, who's faith-based, they might tell you, you know, it's like, I have a belief in God, you know, like my values around my faith and, and, and generally that's absolutely true, but it's actually not a, uh, a milepost or a measuring stick against which they can really look and make powerful choices for themselves. Hmm. Like if I know that, you know, one of my values is abundant both in, you know, in just that I live, I'm somebody who lives from abundance, that there is plenty of love, that there's plenty of opportunity, there's plenty of possibility in the world. Then if I know that that specifically is one of my values, then that's a place for me to look. And I'll start noticing a lot more if I'm not standing there. And I'll mm -hmm. be reminding myself when I'm not that there's something missing that I might need to provide to stand back in that space. So when we start to distinguish who we are as a dad and really who we are as a man, it gives us this power to really choose from a different place, not from a based on all the information, although that's going to in that's going to inform choices we make, um, not based on other people's opinion, although that's going to inform how we choose, but also using our inner guide. Right. And, and there's, that, and that, yeah, and, no. and I find like, yeah, and, and doing that is so important even with just in, in your own life, right? Like in terms of choosing, if you're going uh, into entrepreneurship or anything like that, it's nice to have that foundation as well. But I think it's so easily ignored and we just kind of go through life without ever thinking that. Right. Yeah, we, we absolutely do. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, everybody's, you know, it's like your path, your path, you know, assuming, you know, if, if you and your, and your wife choose to have kids, your path as a father will be different than mine. It will be different than every other father's. And, and it's incredibly important that, you, that, that as a father, each one of us, has structures around us to support us and helping us distinguish who we are as a dad, because that's the stories our kids are going to tell their kids, right? right? Imagine, imagine for a moment 
that your children have children, so you have grandchildren, but you don't live long enough to see them. Mm-hmm. What answer are your children going to give when their children ask them, what was it? Tell me about Grandpa Matt. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what life was growing up with him and who we choose to be will inform those stories because the words that we use coming out of our mouth are going to be the voices that our kids hear in their heads when they think about themselves. That's a good point. Do you think it's getting more complicated raising children these days or the same as before? (laughs) That's such a great question. Um, I think, I think what it is, what I notice is there's no greater or lesser amount of information than there has ever been. It just means we have a lot more access to it than we ever have before. Mm -hmm. The difference being that there's a real calling for us to live much more intentional lives than we ever have before. You know, like how often, you know, for folks who are on the entrepreneurship track, how often is it that we have to critically manage the use of our time in social media? Like, is this, is this, you know, empowering what I'm up to? Is this growing me? Is this an opportunity to grow my business? Or is this just more fodder that I'm allowing to take up my bandwidth? Right. Same is true of fatherhood, right? Like there are a thousand different archetypes about what is a good dad. And there's no reason you shouldn't be exposed to a bunch of them because it'll start to inform who you want to be. But what if there were a place to come and explore that? What if there were a, you know, like, you know, there was that you could walk into a room, a a physical room or a virtual room and know you were held like that. No matter what you said in that room, nobody would think any less of you. And the only thing they are there to be is to have your back. Like whatever you're going through, are you struggling around your child's education? Are you struggling in your relationship with your wife? Are you, uh, you know, did you get, you know, did you get some sort of tragic news around health and well-being? Or, you know, are you trying to manage finances? Are you, you know, it's like, what are the, what are the, what are the things that you have to manage in your life? Because, you know, becoming a father, becoming a parent of any sort is doubling down everywhere in your life. No longer is it just you, no longer is it just uh, you and your, your spouse, but it's your children and right. uh, the endless myriad of choices and decisions and commitments you're going to make on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, that, that that's, it's like, I, said, I know it's not always the same with everyone depending on uh, their lifestyle choices, but like one of, one of the things I've noticed as we consider having kids here soon is especially because we've, been living quite unconventionally, at least up until now, with um, traveling and having some online businesses and stuff. And now it's really, now when we think of whether we want to live overseas or whether we want to travel or whether we'd rather live in a, I don't know, a warmer climate and have a guest house somewhere on the beach or be here, now it's all these thoughts of like how it would work for them. Like in, in terms of like, for example, the education system, if you know, is homeschooling 
their entire life really that good for them or should they be around other students? And then in that case, is a school in another country as good as say here in Canada? And then there's, you know, there's all these, there's so many other steps now that yes. we're looking at. And it, especially, I mean, if we weren't looking at that kind of, of a lifestyle, maybe it wouldn't be so complicating, but I do find that, and maybe it's again, just the, the group that we know so well, but it's, it seems that life is getting more fragmented in that way where we're not looking at the standard lifestyle of buying a house in one area and living there mm-hmm. for life. And I find with, with kids that's getting much more complicated because you don't want them to, you don't want to stunt their growth in any way. Well, here's, here's the one thing I can guarantee you, you will. <laughs> Every parent has stunted their child's growth in some way, shape, or form. They always have. And mostly it's because you ask them, their children at middle age, and be like, what was that thing that they did? Oh, my God, did you really sign me up for dancing school? <laughs> right? It's, it's totally what is going to happen anyways. Here's the thing is the part of my mission is for fathers who are, who are on the path of being intentional about, like, who they are for their children, there is no way you can get this right, and there is no way you can get this wrong. There is no way you can get this right, and there's no way you can get this wrong. You are going to make some mistakes, and you're going to make some bad ones. The running joke is always, we've got a therapy jar in our house. (laughs) Just drop a dollar in the therapy jar. I can't believe I just said that to my children. (laughs) But you also can't get it wrong because if you know where you're coming from and you know where you're going to and you stand for that, and you stand for your children and who you want to be for them and what you what your values are or how what what are most important to you those are the things that are they are going to stand with those are the things that they're going to pass on to their children and how do you find with raising you know I've been watching a lot of you know other parents lately and I've noticed it seems to be like a trend towards just giving them an iPad or something like that to to get their concentration away from you, maybe, or from whatever mm-hmm. they're doing. And yes. I can't help but think that that's kind of a bad thing going forward. <laughs> and I'm just wondering if you what your advice is on uh, kind of the digital world. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we've made some intentional choices in our household. And again, there's no right way to do this. Um, but you know, I'm happy to share with you what our choice was. Um, and our kids uh, attended a Waldorf school. Uh, which specifically has no um, no computers in it, and the kids don't do any homework uh, on a computer or on any sort of a screen until uh, until eighth grade. Um, and um, what I notice, what I notice is um, that again, I can only speak from my own experience. What I notice the benefit of my children not having screen-based lifestyles uh, through their kind of formative years is that they have a creativity and a figure-it-out-as-you-go-along capacity um, for managing boredom and frustration Mm -hmm. because they can't turn somewhere to be... um, satiated from their boredom or from their frustration 
They actually have to do something. They can't, you know, you're either going to sit with your boredom or you're going to go figure something out to go do. I think I'm going to go take the dog for a walk. Okay. I'm going to go ride my bike. Okay. Um, so I think that the, in, the, the, I think that we're, I think the risk, I think the risk is, is that we're, um, training our kids to manage their discomfort the same way that very often we are with our digital devices. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that, uh, and, and I see some impacts around socialization. Um, I know, I know several kids who are, uh, very screen based and were pretty early on, um, even from intentional parents and like, he just seems so drawn to screens. Well, frankly, we all are. Mm-hmm. totally right. Like how yeah. often do you find yourself looking at your screen? Well, pretty much all day. Um, and in, in homes where screens have become early on, they, they adopted screens early on is that it is so enticing. And the online world always has that next layer of the thing to watch or the thing to do. And that their kids don't have the capacity in their development to be able to distinguish they don't have the capacity to distinguish when enough is enough because they know nothing outside their own experience and they don't have a very broad experience. They have an incredibly narrow strip of experience that they don't know when to say enough is enough. And it strips critical hours, days, and weeks away from being able to generate muscles around interacting with the rest of the world. Right. Like going out and talking with other kids and working out relationships that are difficult and talking to adults. Right. Like I, I encouraged my son to have a mowing business. Part of the reason is so he could earn money for things he wanted to buy and he had the time and he really liked mowing. (laughs) But I had an ulterior purpose, which was to actually force him to go and have conversations with adults very regularly on his own, knock on the door say, hi, I'm, my name's Harrison and I have a mowing business. And I was wondering if you'd be interested in having me mow your lawn and make eye contact and learn all the pieces are about that social interaction piece. Because if you don't learn those, if your parents don't walk you through that horribly uncomfortable and awkward time, it is not something you're likely going to choose to walk through when you're a teenager or a young adult. And that will impact what is available to you later in life. I absolutely believe that. Yeah. I never thought of it in that. I did always think that for sure I would, um, get my kids into, you know, some form of entrepreneur entrepreneurship as early on as four, just to kind of learn money and what it does. But I never thought of it in that way of having them talking to strangers and building their communication skills as well. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I'm not, sometimes I think of maybe doing homeschooling, especially if we're, not living in Canada all the time. Sure. But I often wonder if that's also, that's kind of where I see the weakness of homeschooling is not having them meeting other kids and learning that different style of communication. Right. Well, I, I'm so glad you brought this up, Matt, because I, 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 this is what I would say about any, any choice people make, you know, whether like, let's talk about homeschooling for a second. Homeschooling is amazing. You know, committed homeschooling parents will provide a far, uh, you know, people who do it with intention and really follow a curriculum Mm -hmm. will provide a far more um, 
uh, effective education, in my experience, um, often than public schools. That's just my personal opinion and my experience. All that being said, it's not a one and done, you know, because it takes a special kind of parent with really a teacher's focus to separate themselves from parent to teacher for a period of time, you know, like, hey, three hours a day, the only thing we're doing is teaching and we're basing it off of this curriculum and you're going to be doing homework every day. And there are going to be sometimes I'm your teacher and there's sometimes your parent. And I think it can provide huge value. The, the gaps that I see in homeschooling is really around that piece around socialization. And the most effective um, homeschool parents, once again, this really goes back to the intentionality around it, are the ones who the kids homeschool for sure, but the parents have them generally out of the house, away from the parents, doing activities that uh, reinforce socialization, whether it's um, clubs or community groups or sports, preferably one of each, at least one of each. So it actually builds that muscle that isn't built at home because you don't, if you're in a class of one or a class of two at, in a homeschool, it's just you and your dad and you can be, you know, you can be whoever you are. But when you're sitting in a, you know, in a club, for instance, let's say, a uh, um, in this country, we have, you know, a Cub Scouts, like a Cub Scouts club, um, or Boy Scouts of America, or, you know, name your club. <laughs> um, you're going to have eight or nine other kids and a leader who's an adult you don't know. And you have to work out those relationships and build them also about how to relate with them and how to understand them. And, you know, somebody, you know, like you may really connect with a kid and build a friendship that you don't otherwise have. Alternatively, you also may get your feelings hurt. And how do you deal with that? And how do you manage your way through frustrations or conflict? Like those are all skills that are based in relationship. Um, but I think that there's a great opportunity in all of it. Like I think that for, you know, for instance, my kids are in Waldorf education. Um, and is that the, uh, just to make sure like what that is, is yeah. that where they teach you a lot of, of, of life skills? Like for example, let's say organic farming. Yes, okay. it is. Uh, it's uh, based on the uh, teachings of a, a gentleman named Rudolf Steiner. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, um, and the, the folks who are, are, are really strict and traditional Waldorf families, um, and I, I've only known a few of them, um, you know, are, are very rigid in, 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 in the structure. And I think that it works for them, and that's their choice. For me, I think that there's always, like, take the gold and leave the rest. And, you know, I think we're a far more intentional family around following the guidelines at the same extent, not to the exclusion of the rest of life. Like, there just isn't a black and white. It'd be so easy to say, <laughs> yes, this is the answer, because we're all looking for that. You know, how do you raise your kids? This way. Right. Oh, cool. Well, great. That works for them. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. It is that it is the distinguishing. It is the exploring. It is the like, oh, we made this choice and it worked for a couple of years and then it went sideways on us. Or we thought we were doing this really well and then it didn't fit. You know, I, I you know, it's like families come into one type of school and they put all their kids in it. And then they discover about two months in that one of the kids, it just doesn't work for and, and, you know, sort of, and like being aware of it, that your kids are all different and that they need different things and being willing to be flexible 
and really go, oh, you know, we, we, we added our daughter to this curriculum. It just doesn't work for her. And what actually does work is a more traditional type of structure um, or, you know, maybe a completely different thing. Um, so, you know, there, there's a, we always talk about our both resiliency and our flexibility as entrepreneurs. It is doubled down. It's absolutely doubled down as a parent. Yeah, I can see that. And I think that's what makes it a bit scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. And, um, it, <laughs> you're, it, you know, it's one of those parenting is one of those things that, uh, rubs away the sharp edges on a human being really quickly. <laughs> you know, you can be a dyed in the wool kind of person about one sort of lifestyle. And then you have kids and you just realize that being black and white about stuff doesn't really work as a parent. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, you know, there's a lot of compromise. Like I, we really want it. It's going to be this way. It's going to be black or white. And then, and then you get into parenting and you're like, and black and white's not really working for us. <laughs> yeah. So we have to find a new way. How do we find a new way? How do we figure out what that piece is? And that is the challenge. <laughs> right. And so with heroic fatherhood, um, just to get more into, I'm just kind of curious what exactly it'll entail once it's launched. Is it more oh. like, a, like, let's say, something to do with a support group, or is it like a combination of that instead of like courses or just, uh, yeah, just interested in what it'll be like? Oh, th- thanks for asking. It's going to be both. It's going to be both. Um, there's um, what we're going to be doing is putting together some really um, some some short programs that support uh, dads around um, creating healthy structures around them, um, socially, physically, mentally, like structures that you can create underneath yourself. the 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 vision that uh, I have is to be able to create a foundation level. Uh, uh, program that is called the, the, um, create, you know, it's called the, it's, it's, it's a version of the hero's journey. And what it really is, is distinguishing the type of dad you want to be. And it, it is, uh, like a six week series and created as an online series for folks to take. And it really lays a powerful foundation. You know, when you think about a foundation of a building, um, long before they were pouring concrete for foundations, um, they were laying cornerstones. And a cornerstone was the, the one stone they put in the ground that took the longest of a foundation. Hmm. It was the first stone they put in, and it took forever. And, there were, and they had to carefully put it in the ground. They had to put it at just the right depth. It had to be at just the right angle, and it had to be absolutely square and level. The reason being that every other brick of the foundation will line up to the cornerstone. And if the cornerstone is off in any way, the rest of the foundation is going to be off as well. Hmm. So the idea behind the hero's journey is taking the six-week program is to set the cornerstone about who you want to be in the world, how you want to show up for yourself, for your spouse, and for your children. From there, that being the entree, make this super accessible, low-cost program that people can take as a one-and-done and be like, I want to take these resources. I'm off. I'm out. I'm on my way. I'm good. What I'd love it is if people said, I did that. Now I've got this strong foundation under me. I want to join kind of like a brotherhood, like a fellowship 
of other men who are in, who are interested in being part of an intentional community. I want to be part of a brotherhood where people I know I walk in the room and every man in this room has my back, no matter what I show up with. If I show up in great, if I show up angry, if I show up in tears, however I show up, they've got my back. Is that one of the big, I guess, problems you think you see nowadays is that everyone's kind of more individual, like trying to do it all themselves? Yes. Yeah. And I don't know that it's, I don't know that I see that it's new. I think that it's more pronounced. I think like I, the, the, I think men for the most part are taught to do it all by themselves and that they have to figure out how to do it by themselves. And if they don't, it's a sign of weakness. Right. Even asking about asking for help is a sign of weakness. So why would I do that? Right? Like, why would I do that? And so this is going to be a community for people who are done, who are, who are, who are tired of being all by themselves, who are tired of feeling isolated, who are tired of living with quiet depression. There are a lot of men out there that make a really good face of it and live with chronic depression. There was an article recently in, uh, in our newspaper and they were doing a, an op-ed, uh, a, sorry, a, uh, character piece on a, um, on the county coroner. This is where they do their autopsies and where they do their investigations as causes of death. And it was a lovely article. It was really, you know, a guy had been there for 15 years and he'd seen lots of changes in the county and they got a new facility and it was kind of an interesting article. And at the end, the, the, the interviewer asked him and said, um, so I'm curious, you know, um, what would you like, what would you like the public to know about the coroner's office from a, uh, keeping ourselves, what should, what should we be aware of? That was kind of the question. And the coroner said, I want the county to be incredibly aware of this emerging leading cause of preventable death. Do you have any feel for Matt? Do you have any feel for in your area, what the leading cause of, of preventable death is? No, no idea. Got it. Well, you know, my first, I first jumped to like, oh, it's got to be drunk driving, right? For drunk driving has been forever a mm. huge issue in the United States anyways. So would it be uh, something like smoking? Well, smoking also it's huge, right? Okay. Heart, heart disease, lung disease, uh, high blood pressure, all those things. Texting and driving, right? There's the new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the, you know, news media is want to talk about murder rate, but that's all at a, at a, at a, at a historic low, um, domestic violence. Now that's at a historic low. Um, it's suicide. Suicide is at is on its way to become is 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 the number one in our county and is on its way in our country as being a considerable uh, number of preventable death and it's of a specific demographic and it's middle aged men. Hmm. You know, it's interesting. I was reading. Have you ever read the books uh, *Sapiens*? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Okay. Yeah, it's a great book, like a brief history of humankind. But there was two things that just I thought of as we were talking. One, in part of the book, was talking about kind of more ancient tribes and how kids used to be raised by the entire village, mm-hmm. not by just their like one parent or two parents. Mm-hmm. And then also, it actually did say that uh, suicide now kills more people worldwide than uh, than war and violent crime combined. Yes. 
It's like yes. nine. It's like almost almost a million people a year. Right? Yep. Absolutely. And the difference is, and why it's a quiet killer for men, is that men don't talk about it before they do it. Hmm. You know, um, women, in my experience, are wired much more to reach out for support and help and to reach out when they're struggling. Men are taught to keep it inside because it's a sign of weakness to talk about about struggling. Right. And um, they get way far down the path of struggling with uh, before, you know, before anybody finds out about it. And very often they find out after they're gone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is, so like, so we've kind of gone down, we've gone down a dark path here, Matt. But, you know, what I, what I want to share is on the other side is this opportunity for huge laughter and intimacy and fellowship and welcoming and warmth and strength and wisdom from being in relationship with other fathers. There are people that have gone through this. When I was at WDS, I was talking with a, 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 a nomadic family, a nomadic dad, and they were living in um, Tasmania with their kids who were like seven and nine. And um, the next day, uh, and he was talking a little bit about the struggles of, you know, of managing a seven and nine-year-old living out of a trailer in Tasmania. (laughs) (laughs) And the next day, I was talking to a dad who had newborns, who was at WDS. And he was actually actively, like, struggling with, like, I'm at WDS right now because I committed to being here. My wife absolutely encouraged me to go. But I have newborns at home, and I've left her holding the bag. And not only am I freaked out about being a dad of twins, but I've also left her behind. And, you know, and he was and, and I literally said, you know, like I talked with him a little bit and I went and actively sought out the dad I spoke the night before. And I said, you have twins. Actually, he had two kids. That's right. He had he had twins. The guy in Tasmania, he said, you have twins. Do you remember what it was like to be a dad of, of, of twins when when they were new? He's like, God, oh, yeah, it was awful. He was like, yeah, I remember the struggles of it, right? Like of not knowing how to deal with it all. He goes, and I said, that dad over there is exactly that dad. Would you go and support him, please? And he said, absolutely, right? Like the opportunity to not only be contributed to, but to contribute to others is to tap into the wisdom of people who have already been down that road, who've already seen it and get the struggle. And I think there's this massive opportunity for fathers to really connect with each other you know, it from in and in, in a in a powerful place, right? In a powerful place to stand shoulder to shoulder together to raise children that, that are really sort of uh, who are involved and engaged in life. Who is the nomadic family? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I'm afraid <laughs> I don't remember their names. Okay. Even if you know about them later, I would just love to uh, also interview some people that are, are living that kind of a lifestyle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be happy to connect you with them. Yeah, it's amazing. Even like, I mean, I don't have the experience with the, the fatherhood aspect, but even even just in the entrepreneurial world, like it can be obviously very lonely and very stressful. And it, it's amazing just what having a group and realizing that you're not the only one can can, can do for you. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Because 
yeah, it, it absolutely makes a massive difference. Um, and, and it's something that isn't a good idea in my experience. It's actually something that's critical. I was just having this conversation earlier today about how critical it is to put your mindset as job one, putting your mindset as job one. Like we always talk about, you know, from a coaching standpoint, we always talk about, oh, you know, so we want to make our health and well-being as job one. Well, cool. That's diet and exercise. That's good stuff. But when you choose entrepreneurship, your mindset is job one. If your mind isn't where it needs to be, then it doesn't really matter how many hours you throw at it. If you're struggling or you're stuffed, you know, you're, you're suffering or you're stuck or you're consistently running into the same roadblocks – it's absolutely imperative that we build structures in place to be able to support us to do whatever it takes to get out of it. It's like, oh, you know, I spent an hour on the phone with a buddy of mine today, but I, I don't feel like I got done on my website what I thought I was going to. Or I didn't create that program that I said I was going to today. Well, great. Well, how would it have gone if you didn't spend that time investing in being on the phone? Oh, well, I was all jammed up. And while I got off the phone, I, you know, I, was, I felt like there was a brand new opening that I hadn't seen before. So it's actually a, a really critical investment that we invest in ourselves and making sure our mindset comes for job one. Which also pr- probably lends its way into to fatherhood, I would think, right? Because I, at least as, a, as, as an entrepreneur, I also notice that it's sometimes it's, it's pretty hard to, to distinguish, at least in the beginning, or maybe it's just me, between like work time and free time. and Everything seems to get all muddled together. And um, I would think when you have kids, you also have to somehow find a line between giving them um, enough time with you, but also spending time on yourself and maybe on the business or with work and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Undivided time. And, and being clear too, that you walk, you walk in the door at the end of, at the end of a long day and you walk into, um, you know, you walk into whatever kind of day your kids have had mm-hmm. and they don't have, X number of years under their belt to manage the challenges of the day. And they're like trying to work out, you know, a a big load of homework and some unkind thing said by a friend and increased expectations by teachers or coaches or, or groups. Um, and they, they need you, they need you to be present. Even if you don't say a word, but just shut your phone off Mm -hmm. and close all your screens and just, sit and be with them. Even if you're like sitting in the room playing solitaire with a real deck of cards, not a screen, but a real deck of cards or, you know, making a cup of tea together or, you know, helping do the dishes together, whatever that thing is like getting intentional time with them is going to be critical and making sure that you have space for all of it. You know, I, one of the things my wife and I got clear about was, is that she and I need a weekend away from the kids every quarter. And for the longest time, we didn't take any time together, just her and I. And at the same time, I also distinguish that I need to take more time to myself. And at being an extrovert, a true extrovert, it really surprised me that I would actually choose to take time all by myself. But I was so, uh, so excited to see how connected to myself I was mm-hmm. when I went and took a weekend just to go hiking and, and, uh, and just be by myself. So all the above, right? Like, cause there's, there's no right way to do it, but being pretty intentional about how you're choosing to do it, 
um, will certainly serve you and your kids moving forward. Do you find, has there, is there any, uh, any resources you could share, like any books or maybe other interviews or anything like that? If, if someone's just listening to this and, you know, they're really excited to, um, maybe they're just getting started as a father. Maybe they just want to be uh, a better father and get, do any, any, any resources you'd recommend in the meantime until your website launches? Oh, that's great. Thanks for asking. Um, for dads who have, um, who have daughters, there's a great book called Dads and Daughters. Um, which is uh, brilliant, and it was written in the uh, 90s, and I can't remember the name of the author offhand, but um, it absolutely shifted the way I saw my relationship with my daughter. And um, this was the distinction. This is where I learned the distinction. The words that you use with your daughter, the words you use with your daughter is the voice she's going to hear in her head Mm -hmm. as a father. No joke, no kidding. And every woman I've said that to said, that's what, that's who I hear in my head is I hear my dad's voice. Hmm. And it is true of a mother as well. The words that your mother says are going to be the ones that show up in your son's head when they think about themselves. So who we are and who we say we want to be about them is going to make a huge, have a huge impact to who they will be as middle aged adults. So it's really cool. Um, there are um, a ton of good resources out there. Um, there are the, 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 you know, there are some great intentional uh, articles on fathering, uh, you know, certainly through a big commercial website called Fatherly. Um, I think a lot of new dads, especially millennial dads, will, will recognize that. Um, there are resources that are based, uh, I, I look at a lot of my, uh, parenting resources based on, um, what I'm exposed to in Waldorf education. Um, and, um, I'd be happy to, to do a little research on those and provide that back to you, but I can't give that to you off the top of my head. I'm afraid. Yeah. I can always put it in the, the show notes. Cool. Then I will get you a list of resources, which, uh, which, uh, there's some really great stuff. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. I'd actually, actually to, um, we don't have to do it now, but I'd like to hear more about that school as well. Because when you, when you mentioned the name, it reminded me uh, when we were in Costa Rica, we met a few families that had moved there from Canada, and that's what school they had put their their kids in. So it must be in Costa Rica now as well. Yes, yeah, it sure is. It sure is. Um, before we end the call as well, I was wondering if you have any experience with or any recommendations on whether you think kind of a parent should always be with their kids until a certain age, or is it okay putting them in, say, a preschool while you go to work, that kind of stuff? Because mm. <laughs> I've always found that it seems like it would be better if they obviously stayed with the mother or with the father. But uh, I know with these days, sometimes that can be hard. Right. Yeah, you know, and everybody's circumstances are different and everybody's resources and availability. You know, some fam- some some couples have family who can take care of a child, which puts them with somebody that they know right. and love. Um, you know, some parents have to work. Some p- parents have to work both job. Both parents have to work full time. Um, and that and that child care or daycare is is just part of it. Um uh, you know, I think that there's a cost. I think that there's a cost because the moment that you're asking somebody who's not related to your child to care for your child, especially in those super formative years, 
Um, there's going to be a missing, um, and there's a ton of nuance and intimacy about relationship that is only built with time. Um, time is really the most underrated, um, asset that we can give our children, right? Like, you know, I intentionally like, you know, so I have older kids now. I intentionally go on boring walks and drives with my kids where we have to, we don't turn the radio on. Nobody's got a phone and we're just sitting in the car driving somewhere for like an hour. And, you know, it's something I got to go do anyways, but I take the kids and very often they go, I can't believe I have to go with you. Why do I have to go? Well, it's mostly because I asked you to, so let's go. And I put them in the car. And if I can work keeping my mouth shut long enough, Matt, very often my children will open their mouth and share their life with me. Hmm. They'll open their mouth and share their life with me where they might not otherwise. There is so much nuance and intimacy that is created when we notice. And when we notice is when we invest the time to be with our kids. And I think there is a cost when we, um, when we outsource or we end up using childcare. All that being said, everybody's circumstances are different and everybody's got to do the best they can with what they have. Right. And if it works for your circumstance and it seems to work for your kids that they're in daycare, then maybe that's the choice to make. Um, it's a totally personal choice. It's a totally personal choice for sure. Um, and um, no, no one right way, no one right way uh, is going to fix all of it because everybody's got different circumstances. And, and I guess the, the only thing I, I, just as a follow-up to that is, um, just be aware that if there are things you're, that are that you've chosen, like, hey, we structured an entire life around this, and then it doesn't work, is be willing to be flexible and say, that didn't work. Now we got to do something different. Because, you know, it's like what I notice where, where breakdown really occurs in family um, or, or struggle really is when, is when families are trying to square, square peg their child into a round hole, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, we chose that you're going to be in daycare. Or we chose you're going to be in this type of school. or We chose you're going to choose this kind of sport because it's, you know, <laughs> the sport that's going to get you the scholarship or it's the sport that your parents did. Or it's the sport that they play around here. And if it doesn't work, be willing to be flexible to the idea that it didn't work out. And like good entrepreneurs that we are is got to try something different. So what are we going to do that's different? Yeah, and I like the idea of, uh, I listened to a podcast the other day with AJ Jacobs, um, a writer. And I loved how he looks at life as one big experiment. So just be experimenting and be open to the fact that, oh, it doesn't work, so you try something else. But just looking at it all as an experiment just kind of opens your mind to new possibilities. Totally. Well, well, thank you so much, Charlie, for coming on. Um, Yeah, it was an awesome conversation. I'd love to have you on again another time. But uh, in the meantime, for anyone that does want to, or maybe I should ask, when do you think your website will be launching? Uh, It will be up by the end of the week. Okay. Very soon. Cool. It'll and, be. It, we've got a landing page there now, so you can certainly go and sign up for uh, to keep following along the the heroic fatherhood uh, blog. And uh, it comes both with a. Uh, I usually do a video and a text of the blog, um, so that you can go sign up for. But we're going to have uh, uh, certainly have our homepage up uh, this week. So that's heroicfatherhood.com. It is heroicfatherhood.com. All one word. 
Right. And is there any other way uh, people can reach out to you, social oh. media? Absolutely. You can find me. uh, You can certainly find me on Facebook. Um, You can find me on uh, Twitter at coach underscore Charlie K uh, uh, on Twitter. Um, And those are probably the best places to find me. Um, We have uh, the Heroic Fatherhood uh, Facebook page. It has not populated all that much yet. Uh, We're hoping to have that uh, more populated in the next couple of weeks. But in the meantime, people can certainly reach out to me directly uh, by my email, which is charlie at heroicfatherhood.com. Sounds good. And I'll put that all in the, the show notes as well in case someone uh, missed it. Excellent. Yeah, it was, uh, Excellent. it was great having you on. It was a good talk. And uh, I'm, I'm I definitely uh, – we'll see where I am. You never know. Maybe in the next year I'll be a dad and then I'll I'll join your group. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'd be, we'd, we'd love to have you. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, the entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurs path, um, has this, uh, unique, brings a whole unique twist to being a dad for sure. In my experience. I can, yeah, I can definitely see that already. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, have a, have a great day and maybe we'll, uh, have you on again sometime soon. Fantastic. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for the opportunity to speak with y'all and I uh, look forward to being back and either either doing another podcast or, or seeing you somewhere else. Sounds great. All right. Okay, have a good one. You too. Bye. All right. Well, that's it for the interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, if you want to see any of the show notes from this episode or from any other episode for that matter, head on over to livelimitless.net. And if you do like the show, please leave me a, re- a review in iTunes. That's uh, how other people will find out about it. So other than that, have a great week and see you next Monday.